do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. One of the most remarkable men Africa ever produced, standing shoulder to shoulder with such giants as Athanasius, Origen, and Tertullian, was Augustine of Hippo. He would eventually prove to be a pillar of Western thought, perhaps Christendom's single most important cultural influence from the time of the Roman Empire until the end of the Reformation, more than a thousand years later. As historian Michael Marshall has asserted, even the world of Islam recognizes his sublime eminence, calling him Rumi Kabir, the great Christian. He was born in 354 at Tagast in present-day Algeria, of a pagan father and a Christian mother. Monica, his mother, was a vital and invigorating influence on him from his earliest remembrance. She was unusually gifted and determined to see her son advance. She secured for him the best possible classical education, and then, because he proved to be an able scholar, prodded him on toward advanced studies. As a result, he studied rhetoric at the great University of Carthage in order to become a lawyer, but later gave up the plan for a career in teaching. His study of rhetorical philosophy with an emphasis on Platonism and Manichaeanism, resulted in a complete renunciation of his childhood Christianity. And this nearly broke Monica's heart. Even more grievous to her, Augustine began to live a life of self-confessedly debauchery, including keeping a mistress for 15 years by whom he had a son, He was only too well aware of the fact that his sinfulness gravely affected his mother. I have no words, he would later write, to express the love she had for me and how much more anguish she was now suffering, the pangs of childbirth for my spiritual state, than when she had given birth to me physically. I just cannot see how she could have been healed if my death in sin had come to pierce the entrails of her love. Those early years of unbridled sensuality revealed him to be a man of innate passion, a character trait that would continue to dominate the rest of his life even after he committed himself to a chaste and virtuous Christian life His natural vitality, vibrancy, and verve was evident. But those early years also uniquely bonded mother and son in a way that would shape the rest of their lives. She, in committed intercession, he, in continued gratitude. 
the story of Monica's relationship with and commitment to her son animates the narrative of Augustine's brilliant and beautiful autobiography, The Confessions. In pursuit of opportunities to improve his academic standing, he took teaching posts, opportunities Monica secured for him, first in Rome and later in Milan. It was in this latter city that he fell under the sway of the eloquent bishop and rhetorician Ambrose. After a long and tortured battle of the soul, Augustine was converted to Orthodox Biblical Christianity under Ambrose's ministry, and he was baptized, much to the ecstatic relief of Monica. After some two years of intensive discipling and catechizing, he returned to Africa and established a scholastic community in Hippo. There, he founded the Classicum Academy, a kind of prototype for the modern university devoted to study, writing, and to the work of cultural transformation. The school was famed for its emphasis on logic, rhetoric, art, music, politics, theology, and philosophy, but it was equally recognized for the brilliance of its founder. In 391, the steadfastness, holiness, and giftedness of Augustine was recognized by the local Christian community, and he was ordained, though very much against his own objections. Then in 394, he was asked to serve as a coadjutor in the diocese, and in 396, he was elevated uh, to the pastorate, the bishopric of the city. During his career, he wrote more than a thousand works, including nearly 300 hefty books. Amazingly, these writings have endured the test of time. Indeed, several of them have claimed a central place in the canon of Western literary classics. His commentaries on Genesis and Psalms are of inestimable value to theologians and ecclesiastical scholars. His magnum opus, The City of God, laid the worldview foundations for Western Christendom. But his autobiography, The Confessions, may be his greatest work of all. It practically invented the genre and remains a devotional and inspirational classic as relevant today as it was almost 1,700 years ago when it was written. Perhaps it was precisely because Augustine was not an ivory tower academic that he was able to make such a clear connection between his faith and his practice, between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. He lived his entire life in the midst of a vibrant community and among enduring friends and disciples. Augustine was a social being. He loved the company of others. They not only sharpened his thinking, they softened his heart. This, too, forms an essential part of the narrative of the Confessions. But while he had many friends, the remarkable relationship that he forged over the years with his mother was far and away the most significant. 
According to biographer Peter Brown, few mothers can survive being presented to us exclusively in terms of what they have come to mean to their sons, much less a son as complicated as Augustine. Nevertheless, Monica survives. Indeed, she thrives. Augustine constructed the Confessions as a long reflection of God's good providence over the first 32 years of his life. Spanning 13 books or chapters, each section is directed as a concert of prayer to the Lord. He declared, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. And again, too late I loved you, beauty so old yet always new, too late I loved you, and lo, all the while you were within me, and I, an alien to myself, searched for you elsewhere. Cornelius Van Til asserted, I think there is nothing quite so rewarding for anyone's personal spiritual growth in grace than to read Augustine. By the end of the Confessions, Augustine moves from reflection to application. It is here that the work's great devotional powers are revealed. It is here that we're able to see the book as a classic in the sense that its message is simultaneously timeless and timely. Indeed, it is here that we are able to see Augustine as an exemplar of resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net.